very quickly, just want to let you know something. We've only been on the ground here for a few weeks, obviously, and it's been a bit of a, a, a back and forth and the like. Uh, yet we are now living in a house full of boxes and we're very, very happy. But I've got to tell you something. I am so impressed by the staff you've already gathered here. They are excellent people and you need to love on them. And I know you do, but just make sure you know that... The, uh, we have been so blessed with the, with the staff, with the elders, with, uh, with friends coming up saying, what can we do for you? I'm, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to break into the Lego movie, everything is awesome. But because it, it, once you get that song in your head, I must warn you, it never leaves. But uh, it is, it's, it's, it's gone quite well. And I appreciate those of you in particular who have said that you... Uh, you like what we're doing, you like the peace that we've brought, but also a bit of excitement, and that means a lot. We want to be healing people. Uh, we want to be a people that bring a healing, but as we do so, sometimes we have to break some ground that is hardened over the years, and that can be painful, and we're aware of that. And we're going to try to do it as gently as possible. There, I woke up at 5 o'clock this morning thinking, well, I need to add this there, and I need to add that there. And I, and I was thinking, no, the sermon can't go three hours. There, there are a lot of times I want to, to give it all to you on the first day. But we'll go at it as, as fast as we can, but as slow as the Spirit tells us to move. How's that? One of the things that you'll see in the pew, it says questions. Now, what this is, is uh, not general questions, but... If I say something during a sermon and you're thinking, yes, but what about, and it's about the sermon, you know, it's not about something else, such as radiometric dating or something, uh, then, of course, you can ask me those questions, but not this, that's not what this is for. This is for um, the next Sunday. I'll stand up and I'll answer the questions. If that means I never really get to the sermon, it means that I'll never really get to the sermon. That's all right. We've got to find where we are and get our feet planted before we can do some heavy lifting. Fair enough? So that's what these are. There are boxes. They are marked very subtly questions that you can uh, up here. Uh, you do not have to sign these. These can be anonymous, but if they're snippy and snarky, I'll say, stop it, mom. And I may answer them anyway. Uh, but they're also out, in the, the boxes are also out in the foyer. That's what these are for. Now, last week, we had uh, a wonderful time of communion with the family, with the gathering, and I, I received I, dozens of people saying how much it meant to them. But I did receive also one or two asking very kindly, by the way, nothing unkind about this. It was, it was an open, and I love that sort of thing, saying, are, are we in danger of losing the reverence? for the body of Christ? That's an excellent question. It's a wonderful question. And as I do with many questions, I'm going to answer it by starting with a story. I was only about 12 or 13 when we came across to America and went to the Wild West. For some reason, somebody over there knew my dad and wanted him to speak at a little church in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We had never seen anything like it. It was amazing. But to get there, you had to drive across Nebraska, so that was kind of... Anyway, but we got there, uh, and it was, uh, it was fascinating. And one of the things we did is climb one of the Tetons. Now, not one of the rock climbing, get that out of your head, you know, hanging by the fingernails sort of thing. 
This was walking every so often on all fours, but mainly walking and huffing for the day. And it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. We came around uh, to this beautiful stream. It was just lovely and ice cold because it was coming right off the glacier. And uh, some people, some of the people started filling up the canteens and drinking from it. And me, being a little bit of a scientific paranoid already, said, um, is that safe? And they were going, Patrick, you're on top of the world here. This, there's no water more pure than glacial runoff water. It's perfect. And I'm going, oh, okay, fair enough, but I didn't drink. We went about 200 more yards and went around a curve and came to a park. If you don't know what a park is in the mountains, a park is a small clearing in the trees. We came to a park up there at a very high altitude, and there were cattle standing in the stream <laughs> doing what cattle do in streams. And I looked at them and I said, sometimes you can think you've gone far enough and you haven't. And this is something which I've learned in, in my life. I have a scientific mind. That's what I do. That's what my degrees are in. That's what I think about. I do not want to belabor this. I normally never even talk about this. But just to let you know, I've got one of these kind of minds. I graduated from my first university when I was 17. I have, uh, I have been at this a long time. I like to go back to the source. And when you do, you find that a lot of things you thought you knew aren't true. And whenever I decided to come back to God, I had, had a deal worked out with God. You never know if he's accepted his end, by the way. But I told him what I was going to do was, I assume, God, you are big enough to handle any question and you are big enough to handle any truth. So I'm going to serve you as long as you let me keep searching. And he has and he has been immensely kind. That said... When we come to the table, we sometimes can be afraid of, well, what about the reverence for the body? Well, what did he mean by body when Paul talked about body in 1 Corinthians 11? You might think, well, that's very obvious. It's a body of Christ. Hang on. If we go back to the church just after Constantine tamed it and regulated it and controlled it, you can see that they were beginning to teach at that time that the bread and the wine were the literal body and blood of Jesus. If you go back to Luther's time, you will find that he taught it wasn't the literal body and blood of Jesus, but it was the spiritual body and blood of Jesus. And I'm aware that I'm simplifying that, perhaps oversimplifying it. But it, it, they, it was a very hallowed thing there. But if you want to go back further than Luther and further than Constantine, perhaps here's a radical idea. Go back as far as Paul. Paul wasn't talking about the body of Jesus when he talked about the body. Go back to 1 Corinthians and read it. To Paul, the sin at Corinth was the division in the body, the way Christians were treating each other and mistreating each other and neglecting each other. That was the sin of Corinth. Now, 2 Corinthians was all about him defending his, disciple, his apostleship. 1 Corinthians was all about di division and disunity. Some people were ignoring their brethren. Others were in conflict with them or they looked down upon them. Others were only concerned with themselves. In chapter 1, he references the body, referring to the church. 
and calls upon them to love one another, to hold upon to each other, to consider each other, for we, he reminds them, are the body of Christ. When he gives the illustration in chapter 11, he is merely doing what he has done in every single chapter of Corinthians, calling them back to remember, we are the body of Christ. You cannot take this communion and not consider the people in this room. You cannot take this communion and not consider your brothers and sisters in the Ukraine who are in terror right now. You cannot take this without thinking of your brothers and sisters in the underground church in China or in these scattered small churches in Scotland and Ireland. We remember the body. We consider the body. For we are his body and we are his blood. That is the new reality. So it is not a matter of being very quiet and thinking about whips and nails. It is a matter of calling us to remember this weird idea that nobody else in history has ever had except God. That all people, all races, all kinds, no, all sexes, no breakdown, no divisions, all in one body as brothers and sisters united in love. No nation has ever tried that. No dictator has ever tried that. No club has ever tried that. Only the church. And he says, when you come together, remember the body. And if you take this communion while not caring for the body, you're taking it unworthily. What was he talking about? He was talking about this. By the way, there's another way to put this. Was Paul trying to teach one way of taking the Lord's Supper, the only way of taking the Lord's Supper? If that's true, he did it wrong, and I'll explain. Not that he laid it out wrong at all, no. It's that he sent it to Corinth. He didn't send it to Rome. He didn't send it to Ephesus. He didn't send it to Crete. They never got this. Have you ever thought of that? We often look at our Bible and say, this shows us how to worship. Wait a minute. They were worshiping Jesus Christ for 300 years before this was gathered. Have you ever thought about the queen's treasurer? Please call him the queen's treasurer. I know the Bible also calls him the Ethiopian eunuch, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to be known as the guy that's missing parts. When we get to heaven, I know he's going to have some words. Anyway, and he's going to be in heaven, and that's my point. Have you ever thought about that? He got one sermon. He may have had other sermons in Jerusalem, to be fair, but he he didn't know who Jesus was. He learned who Jesus was through one sermon, was baptized, and then left the preacher, went into Africa on his own without a Bible, without the rules. All he had was Jesus. He has no hope. Seriously? And yet we say we need Jesus and all of these rules and procedures and no. If, you're, if your religion needs Jesus and something, it's not the right religion. Because what, what did Philip do is he's waving as the Ethiopian queen's treasurer is, is going rejoicing. Yeah, I'll be happy now, but you'll be damned as soon as you try to figure out who elders are. No. He had Jesus. And 
We are terrified of displeasing our God because not God, but because of Constantine and because of regulations that were put in by man, not by God. To ignore our brethren or to refuse to interact with our, each other and meet the needs of each other is taking the supper irreverently. To not love on each other is to take it unworthily because for the very purpose we gather, the very purpose Jesus is hosting us at the table is to call us together, not in individual silos of penitence and pain, but in celebration and common love. I hope that helps. When I made my agreement to go with God and to walk with him, one which I've never regretted, but which has troubled me constantly, because God always has one more door he wants me to open, that I said, God, I really am comfortable where I am. I really like where I am. He pushes me forward, and I told him, I'm going to go regardless of the cost. There's something in our family. There's maybe something wrong in our family, but we have no fear. Therefore, God, if you're going to call me, remember who you're turning loose. That's important. And he has been so gracious to me. I'm an introvert. Whenever Brother Wright here tells us uh, about the margin and about Jesus disappearing, got to tell you a quick story, although it's not in the notes. I'll get back to the notes, promise. One of these days. Um, I, at the church in Rochester, where uh, Dave and the Cassilies and the Wrights were, uh, I and the elders kidded each other constantly and had a great time with it. And I, for Christmas, I bought the staff Bible Action Heroes. Now, they were silly, and that's why I got them this. And, uh, and it was just fun, and we all laughed. And, and somebody goes, well, maybe we should get some elder action heroes. And then somebody goes, I think that would be elder inaction heroes. And then we all laughed, and, and I was having a good time till it got personal. They said, we could get a Patrick action figure. I just looked at them, and they said, you'd wind it up, and every day at a time you didn't expect it would just disappear. It's true. I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I need that quiet time to read and to think and to puzzle and to work. If I don't do that, I can't do this. And I've learned a long time ago, a good friend taught me, no is a spiritual word. Draw the line, say no, and go to, go to pray, go to think. You and I need to find a way to work with each other and with God, but to do that, we gotta be fearless. We can do that. One of the hardest things we're going to have to deal with is this book. Those of you that are just listening online, I'm holding up a Bible. It's not like a Dr. Seuss or something. We got to learn how to deal with this. And I, I know that that immediately troubles some of you because it, it would have troubled me at one time. I was told we were the only church that believed the Bible. We read it, believed it, did it, that settled it. You've heard versions of that, I'm sure. We had a very simple catechism growing up. We, had a, 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 we didn't call it catechism for one, because that would have been wrong. But it was a catechism in that uh, if we, when we ask our teachers questions, such as, why do the Baptists have instruments? Well, they don't like Jesus. Uh, why, why do the Catholics uh, you know, have a pope? Well, they don't believe the Bible and don't like Jesus. And, and it just went on. It's very simple. Same answer for all of them. And we believed it. 
I heard that the Bible was very simple. People told me that. If you're an honest person and you read the Bible, you'll see this. You'll understand it. But then I read Peter's statement in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. He says, talking about Paul, he writes the same in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Stop it. This is an apostle. This is one of Jesus' best buddies, three top friends. And he's saying, he's got, Paul's got some things that are hard to understand. Then he goes, which ignorant, unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. He's not then saying, if you're not ignorant and unstable, you can understand it. He's just saying, it's difficult, and if you don't watch out, you can get in trouble with some things Paul wrote. And Paul did write some things that, well, first of all, I, I would like to meet Paul in heaven and just say, I would like to teach you the value of punctuation. Some of his sentences go over a hundred words. Take a breath, use a colon, you know, find a way to get to do this. But if it's difficult for Peter, is it all right for it to be difficult for us? Yeah, you know why? Because we don't have to understand it all. What we have to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what we, and in fact, Paul himself said, I only really know Jesus, born, taught, died, resurrected. He said, that's all I really know. That's enough. Well, then what do we do with this Bible? Well, I saw good people getting upset about this Bible with each other. I was told that our church was the only true church, but the problem was I, had, I was warned very early and often that a lot of people in our church weren't really in our church because they disagreed with bits of us. And that's why in small towns, we stopped in a small town in Kansas once, population 2,000. We went to a little museum thing they had there. Uh, and as a walk, because I'm, I'm a geek, I'm a nerd, I gotta learn. You know, so if I'm going to stop, I'm going to read something. So I walk in, look, and they had a Churches of Goodland welcome you. And there were three Churches of Christ. I'm going, seriously? Here? I mean, I, even the cows are going, what? Uh, what's wrong here? Why are we dividing? Well, because if it's so simple, we, we believe that God thinks what we think about that verse. If you disagree with me, there's something wrong with you. What happened? When we took away what the communion meant, we lost the gathering. And we began to scatter. We began to divide because we've got to be perfect in every way. I wasn't allowed to go to youth rallies because the people there might not teach the way we had been teaching at our church. I couldn't go to many gospel meetings. I was okay with that. <laughs> I was okay with it. If you, all right, let me explain. Gospel meetings were when, when churches of Christ went to other churches of Christ to fill up the building to make them think they were actually doing something. There were no visitors, but we preached about baptism, and there was no PowerPoint, but they had a big bed sheet up here with words on it that the guy would whack with a stick. All right, that done. I, we couldn't go there because we, they, we might not approve of their songs. We not, might not approve of their preacher. 
I, I knew we were the ones who had the Bible down right, but it bothered me that so many others, many of whom had the words Church of Christ on the outside and even had a big stone block in the building said established 33 AD, disagreed with us and they thought they were the right one. How could they? It also bothered me that we weren't allowed to respect Mother Teresa or call her mother. That we weren't allowed, in fact, we had to believe she was going to hell forever because she got the Bible wrong. That bothered me. But a scientific mind allowed me to comfort myself with facts are facts, even if facts are uncomfortable. The problem was I didn't realize I hadn't gone back far enough to get the facts. You see, our religion, our version of Christianity, our religious tribe sprang from the best of all intentions. And we might spend a, a, a whole period of time going through the declaration and address and such. I'm so proud to be in the churches of Christ. I wouldn't be anywhere else. I just wouldn't. Oh, every so often I get fed up with something, but I feel like Mrs. Noah. You might not like the ark. Where are you going to go? <laughs> So, if I have to be in a big box with a few giraffes and a couple donkeys, uh, it's all right. <laughs> hey, Cammy, I said donkeys. I'm very proud. Yes. <laughs> I grew up with the King James Version. <laughs> anyway, we build, we build apartment complexes in our head that are built upon presuppositions. We need to look at the presuppositions. When I was a boy, I was taught that the Bible was given word for word to the writers and they just wrote it down. They're basically secretaries taking dictation. One of the illustrations used was Balaam's donkey. I, I don't like seeing donkey since Shrek. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Ruined it for everybody. Uh, that whenever the, whenever the donkey turned and talked, God didn't tell the donkey, here's the general idea, put it in your own words. I was told, no, he gave them the exact words. And I, it never dawned on me that Paul and Peter and John weren't donkeys. They were human beings. So I just said, okay, every word has to come direct from God. And if you ever seen the paintings, the, the, the medieval masters, the Renaissance masters, of uh, there's John writing and the Apostle John or there, there's Matthew writing. Look for them and you'll find, if you look closely enough, you'll see a little bird close by. And that little bird is a symbol of the Holy Spirit whispering in his ear. Is that how we got the Bible? This is where I began to wrestle because um, when I read scripture, I found, I found some differences. When you read the books of Kings, for example, David is an awful guy. Murder, adultery, traitor, a horrible father. Here's a general rule. When two of your sons in different times try to overthrow you and take away your wives, you might not be parent of the year. And the transition of power was horrible. Read uh, the Chronicles. Paul, he never did a bad thing in his life. Huh. Well, that's not enough to really throw me off, but it was something. And then I read in 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 1, God is angry with Israel and he tempts David to number 
Israel and then punishes them for it. That bothered me. And then I got to First Corinthians, 1 Chronicles, rather, chapter 21, verse 1, and it's Satan that tempts David, not God. And I went, what? Atheist friends, by the way, were happy to supply dozens more, scores of, of examples like this. And we haven't even looked at the Old Testament passages that has God saying, go into the town and kill the women and rip out the babies from the pregnant women and kill them too. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? What am I supposed to do with this? Was it possible that I had been trained to see the Bible for something other than what it was? Were my presuppositions wrong? Let me tell you an experiment. Got to do this real quick. I don't know how much time I've been up here. See, they have a clock, but... <laughs> they, they, they don't have an elder with a dark gun, so... Um, perhaps I should say yet. Um, there was an experiment done several times, actually, where uh, freshmen, we always use freshmen because they always need the grade. Um, they would have to wear goggles 24-7 when they're awake. And these goggles turned everything upside down. First couple days, horrible. They can't walk. They can't do anything. They can't read. They can't eat. It's awful. After that, however, by day four, they can walk. They can read. They can eat. By day seven, they can even ride their bicycle and they can do a bunch of other things. And then the day they take them off, they can't walk. They can't read. Why? Because they learned this was normal. This is how we see things. I can remember Cammie began to realize that she, was, she had made a terrible mistake. We had only been married a couple of months. And we'd bought a camera. Back then, cameras had to have a petroleum product in the back called film, and I'm not going to go through all that. But we bought different lenses, and the 50-millimeter lens was called normal. And I said, why is that called normal? And she said, because it shows you what things really look like. And I said, well, who's to say that's what they really look like? And she looked at me and I said, well, work with me. We say that's straight, but that's because we have trained ourselves that that pattern says that's straight. She goes, no, we can feel it, that's straight. I said, we've also trained our hand that certain sensations tell us that means straight. What if we're wrong? And that's when she gave me what she claimed were Skittles, but I slept for a day and a half. We, we need to examine what we're looking through, our presuppositions. What lenses are we wearing? Paul didn't tell Timothy, just read it, believe it, that settles it. He said, rightly divide it. Learn to handle this right. I found it fascinating that the things I'd been taught about the Bible, the Bible didn't teach about itself. If you read the Bible... It says something else. Take a look at first, I'm sorry, Romans 15 and verse 4. Let's get that up. I think, is that up on the, is that one of the slides I asked for? Good. I forgot. For, I got excited. Uh, for, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. All right, great. But look at what Galatians 3 says. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by, say it with me, faith. Not by perfection. Not by believing all the right things. 
but believing the right person. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Just keep going. There's more here. Or is there more? There it is. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, remember the river? Have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What is the body of Christ? Us. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The Bible is our tutor to bring us to Christ. It points to Christ. Let me do this very briefly. We, when I was a boy, I used to train the dogs, only for a summer or two, uh, for the sheep, the little black and white dogs, the border collies, uh, brilliant dogs. They're supposed to be the smartest dogs, but you can get in an argument about that, and I'm not interested, frankly. But they're very, very smart. No matter, and I love dogs, but no matter how smart your dog is, you cannot point something out to it. Try. Look over there. It'll look at your finger. It could be a stake over there. It could be a snake over there. It could be a bad guy with a bat over there. A baseball bat, not like a wing. It could be, or a vampire, I don't care. And it's going to look at your finger. Brothers and sisters, the Bible points us to Christ. Don't get so busy looking at the finger that you don't see your Savior. We'll talk more about this as we talk about this, go through this series. We're going to look at this several times, several different ways as we go through the next month or so. And we use as our launch point the concept of women in worship and ministry and how we view our Bible and how we read it has great consequences. And in this instance, can silence and sideline half of the body of Christ. Do we put on special glasses when we read Scripture? Look, yeah, we do. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. A lot of guys are going, hur, hur, hur. Uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Well, how many times has that been taught? Well, that's a law for all churches and all times and all places. Here's a rule. You're going to hear it a lot of times. You ready? The Bible was written for us. It was not written to us. You have got to find out what was going on with the people to whom it was written. And we're going to do that. But not right now. We don't even need to. If you look at that and say, that's the law, there can be no exceptions. All right, great. Look at verses 1 and 2. I urge then that, first of all, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I, I, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure I haven't named them all. For kings and those in authority, do you pray for them daily? If you do, great. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. By the way, the word quiet lives there is the same word for quiet for the woman. It's an attitude. It's not a volume. It's an attitude word. A sweetness word. Oh, but there's more. Do, do you think verse 8 is rule for everybody? Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. First of all, no anger or disputing. Do you do that one? That's, that's the easy one. 
Uh, during the prayer, I peaked. I'm allowed to. I work for God. We talked about it. Uh, men of God, you did not raise your hands. Same chapter tells the women to be quiet. You say that that applies. What about that one? Oh, there's more. I also want the women to dress modestly. By the way, modestly back then didn't mean to, to cover your body. It meant don't wear too much fancy stuff. It was a different, we, we make that word mean something different. With decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles, ladies, or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Guys, do not underline this. I've tried it. Re reading this at Christmas is useless. Now we're laughing. Is that because we're irreverent? No, it's because we realize how silly we get. We helicopter into this chapter and grab two verses and say, that applies everywhere. And then we look at the other ones and go, oh, no, that's not what he meant. All. By the way, I would agree. We're not under those rules. You can pray standing on your head if you want to. I don't recommend it, but go for it if you want to. God doesn't require that your hands go up. He's talking about an attitude throughout the whole chapter. And what did we do? We helicoptered in, grabbed two verses, got out of there quickly, and made it a law. We got a lot of work to do, don't we? And I'm aware that I've, I've disturbed more than I've helped. But that just job security for me. Because <laughs> I know there'll be questions. <laughs> Our journey up this mountain to trace the flow of the stream may not be an easy one, but brothers and sisters, it's a necessary one for the people of God to be gathered. Don't stop too soon, or you might miss out on some of the freedoms that God intended for you, some of the joy that he intended for you, some of the peace that he intends for you, and you might drink up some poison that he doesn't want in you. God wants you to lay aside every weight that so easily besets us and give yourself to the word of God. Oh, does that mean? Well, what does this say about the word of God? John chapter one. Bring it on up if you would, please. Or do you have that? You do? Excellent. Now, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jesus chapter four. You know something? John chapter four. I did tell her John four. It's not John four first mistake I've ever made in my life. <laughs> no, that's not true. There was that time I thought I was wrong, but I wasn't. And so we're going to go to John chapter one, John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. What does this say the word of God is? Jesus. And it points us to him. Don't be so focused on this that you don't see where God is pointing. We have so much more to go. But this would be a good time to pray. <laughs>